Hi, everybody. It's Pete Oliver. Welcome to the Emerge on Purpose podcast. This podcast is for sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show, we'll talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose. reasons deals don't close, we are covering that there is no clear understanding of the investment process. So we are talking about the nuances of uh, asset versus expense or spend versus invest. So why does this show up as one of the top uh, five reasons, (laughs) the ones that we've identified, right, um, that deals don't close? You hear me choke up there a little bit. I think this is probably the, the, the one I historically have struggled personally to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think, so we have this term called head trash, right? Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts, in my experience anyway, personal experience and then coaching our clients, there is all sorts of head trash out there about budget, money, how much your stuff costs, all of that. It's now, why is that? Well, I think frankly, if if you're a sales leader, it helps if we understand the money concepts that we have as leaders and as our reps have. And a lot of times there's some self-limiting beliefs around the money concept that end up manifesting itself in really bad ways in the sales process. Like, just from experience, like I, I remember vividly as a kid, there was one time where I left the the screen door in our house open and it might've been like cold out. It was in like December. And um, my dad, who was one of the most loving people I know was like pretty upset. He was like, P, you might as well just take the money out of my pocket and throw it out the window. Like it costs money to heat this house. Like why did you leave the screen? Well, I was just going outside for a minute to get, it doesn't matter. Shut the door behind you. And it was like, so what did that tell me as a kid? Well, first of all, it's pretty dumb. But secondly, it's like money is scarce, right? There's, there's a scarcity there. And for those of us that, that grew up in an environment where, you literally had to work all summer to pay for your books to go to college. You, you value money and you understand that it's in some cases can be scarce. And then we, we take that, that viewpoint and then we apply it on everybody we meet. Like their situation is scarce. It feels like I'm reaching in their back pocket and there, it took me a while to figure out how I was going to overcome that for myself. But how I did it personally was I had a very profound belief that it was more important that I understood how much the problem was costing the organization than it was how much they're going to spend to buy my stuff. If I couldn't determine what the problem was costing the organization. I didn't earn any right to have any budget conversations ever. Now I did it out of what I would consider 
selfish reasons because I didn't want to feel like I was pickpocketing my clients. Mm -hmm. But the minute I found out that their prop their problem and their project was meaningful to them and I understood why, then it made sense for us to figure out whether or not they'd be willing to invest in, into this situation, right? So you mentioned before spend or invest. That's that's very true. Us providing a quote to the client is not the budget step. It's not the investment step, right? So if I'm a sales leader and I'm trying to make an impact on my team's ability to get the truth around budget and investment, I think it helps if you understand where the reps are coming from when it comes to this topic. It's almost like you got to bounce around the success triangle, figure out like what's holding them back. And in my case, it was obviously a, a, a head trash attitude thing that I had to overcome. Yeah. So, that, does that make any sense? Like, so this is, this is an attitudinal topic as much as it is a technique topic, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, all of the top five reasons have, uh, this head trash is a piece of it. This one just happens to bubble to the top, I think because one of the biggest, the top five weaknesses we see that are a little bit harder to uh, just, you know, it's not questioning strategy. It's not like a tactical thing. It's more of like these, these baggage things. So it's like need for approval or fear of rejection. Yes, we're all human beings. We all have a degree of that, but the higher degree you have, the more you're going to get in your own way. And these are going to become a bigger problem for you. But beyond that money concept based you know, back to everything that you just shared and how we might be brought up around money, whether it's abundant or scarce, it's going to dictate how you handle money conversations. So, yeah. Yeah. So then it's like, so what am I then, you know, let's take the lesson a step further. So I was a, I was a decent athlete as a kid and I played soccer, basketball, baseball. And there was back then there were these, I forget what the name of the shoes were, but it, there are these shoes that help you jump higher. And they, they had a platform on the, on the front ball of your foot so that you, your back ball would, would go below parallel and it would strengthen your calves and you'd be able to jump higher. <laughs> so I wanted these shoes. These things were not cheap either. And I, I really wanted them bad. So I had to develop why I wanted them and I had to go to my dad and I was like dad I, I think I really need these shoes he goes the hell are those things you can't use those things what are well they're 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 gonna help me jump higher and he goes okay let's even pretend that that, I, that that's true who cares and I'm like well dad if I, if I jump higher and I can run a little bit faster there's a I think I'm improving my odds of getting to be able to play college ball and I think it might drive down the amount of money that we're going to need for me to go to college. I, I really think this is going to help. And he's like, huh, well, show, show me some proof that they work. And, but now, now all of a sudden, it's not about the money. It's about, will this actually work? Yeah. Okay. And then you fast forward to the end of the thing. And, you know, dad's like, yeah, sure. You can get them. Go mow a few more lawns and buy them yourself. <laughs> So he still, so that was like, that was the mentality, you know, cause yeah, yeah. But so what did I learn from that? It's like, okay, I'm learning the value of money, but then I'm also learning 
that it's up to me to figure out how to get it done. And if I believe that there's there's value, then I have to go figure out how to do it. So the second half of that lesson was it was hard work. The first half was the value of money, right? Yeah. Well, that's a good segue because it's okay. After as a leader, you evaluate that head trash, that money concept, what's getting in the way, where's the breakdown in having these conversations in general. And then it's okay. Well, what does it take to get the business done? After you've got, then you create that gap um, in finding path to budget. Yeah. Yeah. So it's get over your shit about the money stuff, however you're going to do it. I mean, a trick to money is our stuff is expensive. Okay. Like, let's say if you're not, and by the way, I would hope that it is because if it's the cheapest one out there, then the only reason why anybody's going to do it maybe is because of money. You, you got no negotiating power at all. And by the way, why would they buy it? Even if it was the cheapest, if it didn't work, because they're going to have to go and buy something else again. So it still doesn't make sense. Even if you're the cheapest, like what if the opposite were true? Like let's pretend yours was by far the most expensive solution on the market. Why would anybody buy it? And then whatever the answer to that question is, it, it is frankly the reason why you, you can sell whatever it is that you do for as much as you want. So uh, clients all the time, they're a premium, they're a premium and prospects like your stuff is really expensive. You know, why would I move? Jeez, Lindsay, I'm not really sure that you should. I mean, what are you trying to accomplish and do that you can't do today? Maybe we should try to figure that out. And if it makes sense, you stay with what you're doing. Like you, if you believe that your stuff is worth it, then you can start saying things like that with conviction. So th this whole budget thing, your head has to be in the right place or it's going to suck. You're going to, you're going to stink at the budget step. Yeah. And it also budget comes after pain for a reason, right? You got to find pain first. Yeah. If so if I'm a leader. Is, yeah. First step. Do a success triangle with your people and then focus on attitude when it comes to money, right? And then second step is, okay, you found top five reasons why deals don't close. You don't have truth around the investment process. Well, the reason why you don't have truth about the investment process is because you've got some crap going on that's creating head trash, not right. because the client doesn't have it or you can't find it out. It's just you're, you're foot standing on your own toe with this situation. So get over that, take your foot off your own toe and then start to clarify their investment process. Why? Because if they have the pain, it makes sense that they're going to want to invest something, time, money, and resources to fix it. So when you look at the investment step in general, there's a couple of things you want to think about. One is it's not just about money. This is when you get to flip the process on its head and determine what it's going to take for them to do business with you. Okay. They're going to have to invest time, money, and resources to change. Okay. That's what you want to find out is what's their viewpoint on the time, money, and resources, and are they willing to do it? So the other part is it's not just about willing. It's about able. Right. Okay. And that's, 
we talked about champion building moments. If they're not able to impact the funding conversation, then you got a yellow light moment at best for champion building, right? But specific to this, it's it's willing and able to invest time, money, and resources. Okay. Now, biggest reason why we don't get the truth around budget. I ask this all the time to our clients. We'll put them in a breakout room. We'll get them to go ask the question. And inevitably, somebody that's got a little bit of truth going on will say, well, we didn't ask. It's like this exact same reason why we don't get the introduction. Because we also don't ask for that either. For some reason, we don't think we've earned the right to talk about money. And we don't think we've earned the right to talk to people in power. So we avoid those two topics until it's too late. And then we put a quote out there and hope that they're willing to spend so that's, that's what we got to do. We've, we've, we've got to get over our own crap. And then when we get to the point where we're asking the investment situation, it's willing and able to invest time, money, and resources. Mm -hmm. So step number one is we ask. Okay. Step number two is we might, sometimes clients don't know how to buy our stuff. So we may have to bracket a little bit. Like. It's helpful, by the way, if you bracket based on their pain. Right. So what I'm hearing is you're you're at a place where you're literally throwing a million bucks a month out the window and you want to stop doing that. You know, typically we've seen other clients that are trying to solve a $12 million a year problem. They're probably willing to invest, I don't know, 11 million, 900,000 or less. I'm curious, is there a number that you have that would make sense given the scenario. And then hopefully they bracket something to you or you say to them, in all seriousness, you probably got about a million to $2 million investment number to make the $12 million problem go away. Should we keep talking or no? So you might have to bracket, okay? Sure. And again, why does this make sense? Well, it's in the client's best interest for to, to do it this way, okay? And then the third one is, Nope, don't have the money. Don't have the money. So, Lindsay, let's do. Let's pretend you be the coach and I'll be the. I'll be the rep. Okay. okay. And you've determined that in the course of your coaching process mm -hmm. that I don't. I don't know how funding gets created. Like, let's coach me through how I should do it. Okay. Um... All right, Pete. So it sounds like we need to get a little creative with figuring out how to ask for a budget or to help them create a budget. Um, how would you go about doing that? We we have the ask back bracket create. You can start from the beginning there. You can go right into the, into the create part of it, but let's role play a couple of ways that we might be able to ask that question in a comfortable way where we're not pushing anything on them. Okay. You, you know what I was thinking? Well, first of all, I appreciate the previous coaching that we've done because I've gotten over my, my shit when it comes to asking about money. So I, I do know how much this problem is costing their organization. So I, I do know that um, they are actively trying to figure out how to solve this problem, right? What I don't know is how they're going to get the funding, right? 
I don't know that yet. So I feel like that's the question I need to ask. I was thinking about trying to do a presumptive question for that one. What would that sound like? So after, because I already know they don't have the funding, right? So the A and the B, I've already checked those boxes. I'm onto the C. So I've got to figure out how they're going to create the money, create the funding. That's right. So I was thinking about saying, Lindsay, I'm curious, when you've solved problems similar to this and you had to go find the funding, would you mind sharing with me what that process looks like? Awesome. I think that what do you think about that? How was, how was, I'm trying to work on my tone and my pace. How was that? Was it, was I too fast? Took the words out of my mouth. Tonality was great. Pace was slow. Seemed natural. So you can tell you're, you're working on it. I am. I'm trying to overcome the do you questions, you know, like, do you know how your company finds money? Like those accusatory yes, no close ended questions. I tend to be pretty direct, as you know. So it's, to me, like the presumptive question has become one of my best friends. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can be direct too, but we, we know our prospects usually don't like being back into a corner. So that's good self-awareness. And, uh, you know, there's both the success triangle in, in all areas there, right? B-A-N-T uh, that we're, we're bridging that gap on. So nice job. Cool. Cool. So as leaders, two things. I'll do a little recap here. Leverage a success triangle coaching exercise and put money in the middle of it and then figure out like what's going on there. Is it a head trash issue? Is it a lack of behavior issue? Could be an order issue, not asking the budget question at the right time. Or is it a technique issue? They, they don't know how to ask, right? They, they might say they don't know how to ask, but what they're really saying is I don't want to ask. So you, you got to make sure you're working through that with your teams to understand what, what their money concepts are. And uh, after that happens, you'll get to the good techniques really quick. And then it's just willing and able to invest time, money, and resources. And then how you're going to ask the questions. Nailed it. Awesome. Love it. Again, don't have anything to add there, but I think, um, to your point, using the BAT in this case or any of the top four reasons, you, you can leverage those types of conversations. Just put that that deal or that main concept in the middle and then break it down. Uh, and, and where is that? Uh, what's causing the breakdown? Yeah, I think one of the cool things you did too, and I don't want this to go overlooked, like that seemed like a pretty simple coaching exercise. And the reason why it felt like that is because you just asked a very simple open-ended question, like how are you going to ask? And you knew that the presumptive question was the right type of question in that situation, but you didn't sure. give me the answer. You allowed me to come up with the answer for myself, right? So as leaders, that's what we have to do. We Coaching is not telling. It just yeah. isn't. They don't learn anything if that's the approach we take. Right. And so it's, but it's also, you know, putting them, you're not putting them in the hot seat, but you're putting them in a position to, to figure it out on, on their own. Right. It's like that little bit of discomfort where you're saying, what's the question? And maybe they, they aren't going to know the type of question, but you've got to let them think for themselves and empower them to think for themselves. Uh, and, and if not, obviously it's the, the learned helplessness quickly becomes, um, uh, another problem we have to deal with.
Yeah. And you know what? You you can podcast for another day, but you can test coachability. Oh, yeah. You can test it. Like how well are they willing to change? Okay. Have you asked them, give me, give me a scenario where on a sales call, you messed something up. And then how did you fix it? And the next time, what did you do different? That's yeah. like, are they willing to change? Okay. Do they take action or do they just get ready to get ready? Okay. Are they at a place where they've decided that they do have the attitude of fail? Failure is part of success. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of ways to deem coachability, but when you have somebody that's coachable, it makes those conversations a lot easier. And I think the more we become a part of our reps plan when it comes to coaching, the easier it is. Like all this should not be a get up and dance exercise for the leader when you're in a coaching role. Right. It it just shouldn't. So whether it's about budget or champion building or any of the other reasons why deals don't close, you gotta empower your reps to to make the climb themselves. And you're you're there to guide them. You're the you're the guide. You're not, you're you're not pulling them up the hill. Yeah. Well, as I said in another one of these, is as a leader, am I asking questions before presenting solutions rather than just giving them uh, the answers and being the super rep, the type manager instead, just ask some questions. You don't even need to know much about the deal. You probably will, but just ask them questions about it and you'll find out, um, information quickly and then help them discover what they need to do. So, um, Beautiful. Alrighty. Well, I think we recapped that one and um, we're, we're good to go on this topic. So uh, closing out the no clear understanding of investment process. Gorgeous. Are you responsible for building a robust pipeline and hitting a monthly quota? Or perhaps you're responsible for the team that needs to do so? Do you feel stuck on how to connect the dots? We at Sandler Sailfish excel at the how-tos in sales and sales management a discovery meeting with us today. A discovery meeting is a simple exchange of information to determine fit. A discovery between two parties, nothing more. We've helped thousands of purpose-driven sales leaders just like you shorten sales cycles, consistently meet sales forecasts, and roll out proactive business development behavior plans that work. Go to sailfish.sandler.com backslash book a call or scan the QR code on your screen. Until then, keep climbing.